0: That is a from it again. What a goal by Five goals from the league champion
1: On 11-16, SEM, the four Diego's.
2: Hey, amigos, and welcome to the Four Diegos here in 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on a, another fine Wednesday night. Hey, thanks to finding on another great show. He'll be back tomorrow night from 7 pm. And always good to hear the boys, uh, Stephen Milne and Troy Zantuck, with the Wonder Years just before the Diegos. Vinny Venezuela's here, so is uh, Warren Diego and Carlos Alberto Diego. It's a full house tonight, boys. Welcome to the show.
3: Oh, good to be here, Rodrigo. As yes. always, who the
2: back four? Yeah, Warren, you're a, bit, you're a bit happy at the moment, aren't you? Oh, yeah.
4: yes. Liverpool are um, the best team in the Premier League since Christmas, and that means they're probably the <laughs> best means team. means they're right. Yeah, And,
3: and no, whenever, whenever Suarez scores for whatever team he plays for, Warren's always happy. No, <laughs> I
4: don't. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's a good point. But um, I'm sorry I wasn't here last week. I was way you're, late. You're not, you're not sorry at all. I'm only part-time. You're not sorry. Well, you full-time not at sorry. every other show. Do,
1: do you wish ill of uh, Luis Suarez? <laughs> No, you but
4: I notice he still hasn't had anything done to his teeth. I mean, I've just noticed that. No, I don't wish ill love him because, in the end, I don't think it was an acrimonious departure. I mean, I, if I'm to leave the Diego's one day,
3: it will be, acrimonious. be, there'll be celebration.
4: <laughs> I'd like to
1: leave like Luis yeah. Suarez has left. Yeah. I'm not sure what that
4: means. You, go who go are you on going to bite, Who yeah, are you
1: going to bite? This year, it's our 21st year. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Uh, and Warren, you've been on the transfer list for about 19 years. (laughs) I've been, actually, I've been
2: doing shop window radio for about five (laughs) (laughs) years. It's true. Very good. Well, um, anyway, uh, boys, tonight's show, tonight's show is brought to you by Respect. Yep. Respect. That's, uh, what the Diagos are are all about. It's actually a community soccer tournament and it's happening on Sunday, the 1st of March. That's this Sunday from 2pm till 6.30 and, uh, the Diego's are going. Well, I'm going. Yeah, and, you're, uh, our, you're our representative. I'm, I'm representing the Diego because this will be a fantastic tournament. It's a round-robin tournament. Um, there's teams from different faiths, different, um, different community groups and uh, different nationalities. It's going to be a fantastic day. Um, there's also a soccer clinic from 1 till 2 p.m. So if you've got a 5-year-old or a fifteen up to a 15-year-old, yep. make sure they register for that on uh, www.respectroundrobin.wix.com forward slash Manningham, and get them in there because some of the boys or the community development team from uh, football development team from Melbourne City are going to be coaching them. Telling them how to play the game, you know, the intricacies of the game. Make sure you get there. It's going to be a fantastic day. The round robin kicks off at 2pm and goes right through until 6.30. So um, there'll be prizes, there'll be a barbecue, lots of fun face painting. So make sure you take the kids. It's happening at uh, Anderson Park, 117 Anderson Creek Road, Doncaster East. It's near the... Pines Shopping Centre. Fantastic. And they're our sponsors tonight. They're our sponsors tonight. Respect Community Soccer Tournament on Sunday, March the 1st. Warren, it's going to be good. So, hey. It now, will be. It will be. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, Vinny Venezuela and uh, Carlos, I think you boys, have, we've been talking a lot about... Uh, the great Mark Bresciano retiring and uh, what's yeah, re- Retiring p- from international football International yep. football of course um, The hot topic tonight
3: Yes it's happy sad uh, It's the Balder Than Bresciano hot li- hotline <laughs> uh, to So call in at SCN The yep. Balder Than Brescian hotline And it's really about where does he sit In the pantheon of, of, of Australian players Footballers Yeah, where, where do you see he sits now well, We did compile a list Carlos didn't we Yeah
1: we did And it's funny because uh, Bozza was on earlier tonight uh, I think he was on the run home And, he, and they asked him and, and Warren you heard him yeah, he "Is in the top half dozen. Top half dozen soccer, of soccer, Australian players of all time." Okay, now we can we can gush and we can say you know we can really hold Bresh on a pedestal because he's done a fantastic job in his career, done a fantastic job for Australia, played twelve years in Italy uh, and regularly played at that time, and uh, was very respected overseas. Or we can you know really try and define where he is in the Drill whole. Down, absolutely. Dallas. So we did go through the list of players who could probably be in the top 10, and we came up with these names. Harry Kuehl, Craig... Now, by the way, it's not just Socceroos, it's Australian players. So, mm. Harry Kuehl, Craig Johnston, Tim Cale, Mark Viduka, Mark Swartzer, Lucas Neal, uh, Paul Ocon, Ned Zelich, Mark Bosic, Robbie Slater. That, that's just a top 10. That's 10. With apologies to <laughs> guys like Vinnie Grella, John Aloisi, Scott Chipperfield... Brett Emerton, Stan Lazaridis, plus a host more. I mean, people out there will be thinking
2: of who else they can throw in there. Where's he come? <laughs> Is he in those top? In that top ten? Oh, well, any any one of those sixteen or so guys you mentioned. You know, some people have opinions yes. about some of those other guys being in the top 10. 4 98 give us a call. Where does Bresh fit? Uh, what a fantastic uh, international career. Um, you know, there's even some talk that he might come to the A-League, but he's not so sure because he's, he's a little bit uh, fearful of not performing in the A-League. That's yep. what he said. Um, so 4 33 98 And
1: we want you to just tell us whereabouts in your top 10, if he's in the top 10, whereabouts does he fit?
4: Well, I'm going to say, Carlos, and we should be gushing on a day like today because I think the one thing that we forget about Mark Bresciano is that without his goal, John Aloisi would never have been taking his shirt off and running down the side to qualify. It was the, that
1: goal... 2005 yep. World Cup qualifier against it, Uruguay in Sydney.
4: Correct, and it's interesting how missed kicks from Harry Kuehl have led to great Socceroo goals, which I think he missed kicked in that instance and Bresciano... But...
3: Was, and wasn't it Popovich who got subbed for Kuhl, who then uh, miskicked and hit it for, set it up for Bresciano?
1: Correct. Yep. Popovich was subbed in the first 30 minutes yep. of that game, if you remember. Yes. Uh, Goose had enough of the yep. extra <laughs> extra defender, went three at the back. That's where Chipperfield started playing centre half for the first time in his career and was brilliant. And uh, who could ever forget? I mean, even Harry Kuhl coming on in that game had a fantastic mm. game. But Bresci, out of the blue, got the toe poke in, got the goal, mm. uh, and squared the- it all up after 90 minutes and. Then uh, went to extra time and then pens. And it
3: was the first standstill celebration yeah. we'd ever seen in this country. And it was, a a,
1: it was the Christ the Redeemer
4: celebrations. And ironically, right. he goes to his third World Cup in Brazil. Yeah, it was you the know. Christ the Redeemer? <laughs>
2: it was a he statue. No, know. it was a gladiator. No, no a gladi- he, he oh, a right. gladiator. Extend, oh, it, it, it
1: didn't yeah. extend his arms. You're thinking of Eric Cantoner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry.
2: Yeah, it was, so, it, it was more of a chest yeah, out. Yeah,
4: that's right. Chest out. Mm. And I'm not going to rain on the guy's parade because it is the day he retires, and we deserve to gush about his performance. But I'm so. Going... Where's he fit for you? Well, I'm going to use the Mark Swartzer description that you often have. He was very, 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 very,
1: very, very, very good, but not in the top five. Not in the top no, five. Not the top five. Oh, I think well, the guy played 84 times for Australia. Respect. Did you see the Twitter? You're not a Twitter person, but you see the Twitter PFA were retweeting. Players all around the world congratulating Bresh and saying things like, you helped my career, you're a legend, all this sort of stuff. And not only 84 times for Australia, mm. in, all, in three World Cups, two Asian Cups and uh, an Olympic Games, yep. he also played 12 years in the toughest league in the world yes. when he started, CDR, with big clubs. Mm. And you're saying he's not, not in the top five. Doesn't make the top five for me. Well, that's just ridiculous. As far as,
2: <laughs> as, far as respect goes, because this show's all about respect... He's probably in the top five With of uh, the With all due disrespect to Warren, <laughs> all due disrespect. Hey, there'll be no, I mean, can there'll I... be no disrespect in Manningham uh, on Sunday.
3: I mean, that list is a beautiful list, and, it, you know, and there, there are names there that all deserve a special place on a mantelpiece. But, uh, but
1: tonight they don't.
3: No, and I'm, all I'm going to say is that in terms of uh, Bresch, and I would probably put him uh, in his generation rather than, than a pantheon of all yep. all players, and I think that over the last ten years, a fit Bresh would have been one of the first people you'd put on the team sheet.
2: There you go, there you go. Top eleven, definitely for Vinny Venezuela. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Give us a call. Tell us your thoughts on where Bresh fits in the pantheon of Australian football. Uh, Bob in Baldwin's called us and uh, wants to talk about some of the other players uh, as
0: well that might be ahead of Bresh. G'day, Bob, and welcome to the show. Great boys, uh, the professor left out a few names, let's just um, firstly, the imposter Johnston who never wore the colours, get him off the list He's Australian though Bob Yep, no worries, Lord, Her Majesty the Queen Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the real legends of this great country, Davidson, Yankos, the late Johnny Warren, Cosmina there
1: you go. But, but you, Bob, you Oscar. started up your own Oscar. hot topic here, where's he come? Where's he come?
0: Uh, Mark Bresciano falls into the top 25, and he'd be about (laughs) 24-25. So,
1: did he come before or after Oscar
0: Carino? uh, Well after. Let's just call this quality, not quantity. And remember, gentlemen, the game has gone to another level. We need to see what we saw tonight. Tommy, you're magnificent. And I'll leave you with one thought. The referee who coach, who actually refereed the game on Monday night at the Venator Club should be banned for life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and let me just say,
0: I know what you're talking
1: about there, Bob. I've got a very close I'm uh, very close to the, the bullying team
0: these days. Disgraceful there. There was a bloke from the other team there who was about to turn off the lights, and he's got the power because he runs a lighting company.
2: (laughs) There you go. Fantastic job on you, you, mate. mate. Thanks for that, and uh, always love his flourishes at the end. Uh, Good on
1: Bullin Veneto uh, Club because uh, they had a great win against Morland Zebras on Monday night 1 0.
2: Yeah, getting some action on the SMS machine here. You can't leave out Gary Cole. (laughs) Um, What about uh, Tommy Cummings Who used to play for Melbourne Croatia He
1: was a great player Tommy Cummings Little diminutive Tommy Cummings And I think he did his knee against AC Milan uh, When they were touring Australia And he did his knee at Olympic Park And almost I think he came back to play again but he was never the same player
3: Yes, but the question we've got to keep focusing oh, no. is, uh, you know, it's not about just name your favourite yeah. Aussie uh, footballer. It's about, does Bresch make the, the top ten or the well, pantheon? Where, where does
1: he come? Yeah. And the thing is, uh, with Bob from Borwin, he said he came after Oscar Crino. Now, I love Oscar Crino. Everyone knows, we've had him in the studio here, everyone knows we love Oscar Crino. But Oscar Crino was a fantastic socceroo, never played overseas at a, a, in a decent league, let alone Italy for no. 12 years. He played in Cyprus, I think, Oscar Krino, for, a, for a, uh, a very unhappy 18 months or so. But And maybe if he had his opportunity, he could have been great in this city, yeah, so up, but he wasn't.
3: Truth be told, we haven't even mentioned Farina or so Absolutely, Farina
1: absolutely. So This is yeah. the thing, like, we're throwing them all in here. And uh, and I know it's a celebration for Bresh. We don't want to rain on his celebration. I know he's partying in Qatar as we speak. I think it might be in Australia, I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> but, at, uh, but uh, really... You know, does he come in? I mean, there's some great players that we mentioned already tonight. He's in the squad, but he, he's in the what the 46 man. No, squad? no,
4: no, no, no. He's
1: in, he's he's not. He's in the
4: 23 man squad, the final cut it goes to the World Cup. But I think he's sitting on the bench
1: for the first game.
2: He's, that would he, be he, my sense. He's in the squad
1: of the century.
4: Yeah, I reckon. I reckon
2: <laughs> the squad of the century. Yeah. That's a, that's a new topic, the, the squad of the century. I, like I mean, that.
3: you know, I have to say that, you know, it, it is time for him to retire. I think that he's had a yeah. wonderful career and he's done it all. He's achieved everything he can yeah. uh, for the game. But uh, w- with, with, our, with the Asian Cup uh, victory, yeah. it, it was, it's time to move on and it, it's a good time for him to go on a high. So congratulations to him.
1: I'd like to refine a little bit like we normally do with
2: Hot Topics. Refine it, Carlos.
3: The
1: visionary. Your own where's he come in the list of visionary <laughs> midfielders? Right. I'll tell you, what,
2: he'd be number one. Ocon.
1: No, no. And, vision, I mean, talking uh, about a guy who just receives passing midfielder, all, all, like everything. He just picks holes and just, just on, on you know, on a uh, what do they call it? On a, on the twenty cent piece. Yes. But like, that's isn't that the difference though, Carlos?
4: We're talking about the best ever, okay? And he might not make the best ten. Okay, But if you were picking a team in terms of positions yes. based on those players, yep. you're probably right. He probably makes the best team because of his position. Because most of the other guys fall into offensive or defensive categories, not necessarily midfield categories. Our best recently... Yep.
1: So you're probably right. He I, makes the team. I, no, I, I, I would go. but I,
4: I said would at argue the
0: start,
1: anyone, I would argue with anyone. If we refine it to that visionary type maestro in midfield, the guy who receives the ball, got all the time in the world, in traffic, and just picks a pass to put someone through, mm. no one else in Australian football's ever been able to well, do that Well, his properly.
3: pass to Kennedy yeah. uh, got us to the World Absolutely. Cup, really.
1: Absolutely. He's a goal goal-scoring where... midfielder, too. He scored some great goals oh, as well. About, you know, against, no, against Bahrain, the overhead kick. Oh, remember yes. the scissor kick yes. against them? I had a look at, another look at that today. Yes. Magnificent. There was a couple well, so. he
3: could have scored against, uh, against yep. the Netherlands, I think, at the World Cup and maybe against uh, Chile. Yes.
2: Yep. Oh, uh, Chile could have uh, scored yeah. too, yep. Yeah. Jimmy Tanzi, Johnny Warren comes up on the text messages. Johnson, Kale, uh, Schwarzer, Kuehl, Vaduka, Bresch, top six easy. That's Tristan in Noble Park. Jeez, that's uh, in some very serious company. Yep. I mean, Bresh would be happy to be, I mean, seriously spoken in this company. But, uh, I mean, just uh, listening to Bob, some of those names that he mentioned were great and great characters of the game as well. With so, all due
1: respect. With
2: all due respect. Mm. Bob um,
1: didn't have... They were great players, but he didn't have Bresh in the right no, no, ranking. You know, no, not at
3: all. You talk sometimes you talk about a spine, your yeah. team having a bit of a spine, and, uh, you know... Bresh is the middle vertebra.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice one. Nice one. So, hey, uh, congratulations to Bresciano on a fantastic international career. Um, Carlos, look, yeah. we're going to go to a break soon, but um, I want the listeners to know. Yeah, I have another dream, dream. I have another you
1: dream. <laughs> I know you we change you, and I have to tell you this it's dream. It's not all about you,
2: Carlos. Yeah, look,
1: you know, <laughs> I have had my share, fair share of Twilight Football dreams. Some people call them fantasies. And I had another one last night And I've, I need to tell you Because I need someone To interpret this It was very vivid yeah, Listeners Because the last one If you remember Is when Jose Mourinho Picked me as a 51 year old With no groins and unfit <laughs> Against Liverpool To play for Chelsea At Stamford Bridge And I said to Jose, look, don't worry, I don't need to be playing. He goes, no, I like you, and I'm going to put you on the bench. I'm going to play you. In the last five minutes, he put me on, or he, he told me to warm up to play on. And I, for this five minutes, you know, anyway, last night's dream. <laughs> last night's yeah, dream. Yeah, last night's dream. And I want someone to interpret it out there. Well, I know the there's break. some Italian witch doctor out there can do this for me. As a 51-year-old, I was selected.
3: Sorry, before you go on, Carlos, anyone willing to write the screenplay (laughs) for the movie? We've got two now. We've got two stories.
1: As a 51-year-old, I was rung up by Ange Postacogl and he picked me for the Socceroos on my debut. Mm -hmm. right? And the game was against South Korea and it was going to be played on the off-leash dog area at Footscray Park. (laughs) This is my dream. right? Please, someone interpret this. Anyway, we we get to the ground. We all drive to the ground in our cars, right? That's great, park the and we park our cars, pitch. and we walk onto the pitch to inspect the pitch. The office league Who's dog in. onto the pitch. And me, Kale, um, uh who else was Jason? It? Jason Davison was there, of course. And Matty Ryan. We were we were walking, on, and we were inspecting the pitch. Anyway, after we inspected the pitch, and by the way, not like unlike the Mourinho dream I was ready for this I had <laughs> you groins, wanted so this the groins were good I felt I earned my spot at 51 on debut I was playing it right back I don't know what happened to French, but I'm playing it right back and we're, we've walked into the change room and all the guys got their headphones on with their music I had my ghetto blaster right <laughs> anyway everyone's getting their gear on Absolutely. Everyone's getting their gear on. I've reached into my bag. I've got my green and gold shirt on and everything else. I've reached into my bag and I don't have my boots. Oh. The boots are missing. I said to Ange, listen Ange. Not ready, Carlos. Yeah, can I go out to my car because I reckon my boots are out in my car. So I said to Ange, I'm going out to the car. So I've gone out to the car. My boots aren't in the car. I'm thinking it's an hour and a half before the game. I'll go and buy a pair of boots. <laughs> so I started running around Footscray looking for a pair of boots. I went to the butcher no boots. I went to the I went to the bakery. No boots. Self evident, really. I started running around anyway. It's getting closer, closer to the game. <laughs> Half an hour before the game, I ended up running past the ground again at Footscray Park, the off lead dog area, and Ange standing outside. The, thinking, what, what the hell, Carlos? What's going on? I've got to get my boots. I got. To, I'll be back soon, right? So I've run. I'm running. I'm, it's frantic now. It's 15 minutes before the game. I'm going to place a place. Can't find these boots, and I run past a Ferrari dealership in Footscray and I run into the Ferrari dealership thinking these are Italians, they'll know where I can get some boots I go in there and start trying to, in broken culture, boots, this and that they said, eventually one of them said oh, oh, capito, capito and and he's run off and thinking, great, he's going to come back with a pair of boots. Next thing I know I'm sitting down having ravioli with these guys and I'm feeling really guilty and that was the end of the dream. Please someone out there (laughs) interpret that dream and I want the symbolism the off-league dogging the boots the the ravioli at the end did you wake up with a
2: domio grin
3: (laughs) Carlos uh, I know a little bit about Jungian psychoanalytic theory I've done a little dabbled in it and and, uh, one of the crazy things is uh, that uh, Scott McDonald has had the exact same (laughs) dream (laughs)
2: Give us a call, 942 <laughs> Or text message. Or text message, 433 98 We'll come back and uh, discuss more of this yes. stuff on the Diego's. Brought to you by Respect Community Soccer Tournament, Sunday, March the 1st from 2pm uh, till 6.30. Make sure you get there. Uh, sponsored by, organised by the Manningham Interfaith Youth Network, the Manningham City Council and Manningham Police. This is the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport.
1: Brazil's World Cup winning coach, Big Phil Scolari, once said, Players who can't control themselves when it comes to sex are not human. They are rational beasts.
2: Jeez, I love this game. Mate. On 11.16, SEN, the Four Diegos. Yes, we're here on a Wednesday night as always. Uh, on a beautiful Wednesday night. Um, just... Still laughing about your dream, Carlos. Very, very nice. Yeah. This is 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. With the four Diegos, Ollie has texted in and said, Hi, Carlos, can I only deduce from your dream that you were very hungry? <laughs> I agree with you, Ollie. That's all I got too. But, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, it was very, very good. So, it, listen, if you did hear uh, Carlos's dream, we won't go through it again. No, but, no. But <laughs> uh, uh, you sent us a text message, 0433 98 1116. Tonight's show, tonight but, show but, is yeah, brought you to ahead? you by Respect. Yeah. Um, the Youth Interfaith Soccer Round Robin and Fun Day Tournament happening yep. in, uh, at uh, Anderson Park. So mm. make sure you get there.
3: By the way, we got a tweet from Tommy Roggage. He's had that dream too. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: uh, for, for people who
1: didn't hear the dream, in short, basically I was picked by Ange Postecoglou <laughs> as a 51-year-old to play for the Socceroos, and yeah. I have—I I lost my boots.
3: And ended up eating pasta with people who sell Ferraris. Exactly
2: mm. right. So tell that's us what interesting. that means. That's not, that's not a little bad... Uh, you know, summary. Mm. Hey, there were a couple of Asian Champions League games mm. uh, that happened tonight. Beijing Guan uh, defeated Brisbane Roar right at the end, one oh. nil. Um, bad luck to Brisbane Roar; they could have got a point tonight. Uh, but Western Sydney Wanderers um, took on Kashima Antlers mm. and away from home. Away from home in Japan and ended up winning that game 3-1. Mark Bridge scored two goals, and Takahashi scored as well for for the Western Sydney Wanderers.
3: Clearly, they're kicking off their A-League season now.
2: Apparently, (laughs) they're they're
1: applying. They're they're actually wanting to pull their licence out of the A-League and play in the (laughs) (laughs) J-League. They actually want to play in any Champions League tournament across the world, because they'll perform.
3: Just roam. Roaming Champions League participants.
2: Unbelievable. That's a a fantastic uh, start for them uh, as they as they look to defend their Asian, Champion, Asian Champions League title. So well done to the Western Sydney Wanderers. Hey, just some text messages on the back of uh, our discussion about Mark Bresciano retiring from international football. Easy to play in Europe nowadays. Three overseas players per team. Uh, you know, the Dutch trio of uh, Hullet and Co. Farina, uh, miles ahead, says um, somebody on mm. the text message. Farina's well, miles ahead than Bresh Than Bresch. Well, Farina failed in Italy. He, he, was,
1: he, uh, he became Footballer of the Year in Belgium, Belgium. or Foreign, Foreign Footballer of the Year. I know Paul Ocon won Footballer of the Year in Belgium, but, uh, but Farina failed in Italy. And it doesn't matter how different the, the quality, well, the, how hard the, the eras were, uh, Bresch compared to Farina, you can't say the, era, the 12 years that Bresch played in Italy, mo- a lot of those years the City A was the best competition in the world. And he still played regularly for his teams.
3: The only thing they didn't offer was long service. <laughs>
1: That's right. Well, yeah, by the way, he's one of his... You heard about Parma I know yeah, you're uh, a... Yeah. Uh, well, yes. Anyway. Oh, they just Don't fought. say anything bad about them. They couldn't, play, they couldn't pay their electricity
2: or their water bill, and they couldn't play a game two weeks ago. So they're in real trouble. There you go. Um, Paul Wade, solid from AJ <laughs> in Pasco Vale. There you go. Um, so... Uh, yeah, if you want to keep texting, text, texting us in the hot topic tonight was where does uh, Bresh fit in the pantheon of Australian football? Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Hey boys, saw an interesting uh, article about the participation rates of yeah. football, mm. the world game, in mm. this uh, country, and some of the numbers are absolutely well. What not, are the numbers, Rogers? So, well, apparently that more than six hundred and fifty thousand—that's yep. six hundred and fifty thousand people—are registered as playing soccer in this country. Yep. Okay, so, um, and By then, the way,
1: that doesn't include kids playing at schools, and it, school f- football is huge at the moment. It doesn't include indoor soccer, and I don't think it, you know, a lot of uh, people from call backgrounds, from multicultural backgrounds, don't play in structured clubs or in structured uh, competitions. They play on weekends with all their mates, and there's huge numbers. You drive around. Huge, Melbourne, a, that's yes. the most amazing phenomenon, I reckon.
4: Forget, I mean, I don't say that the numbers of participating participation are meaningless because it's not and it's significant. And, you know, Vinny's kids and my daughter's playing. So it's happening. And you go and see three teams of under 11 girls playing in Point Cook. Mm. It's actually real. You know, the numbers of kids wanting to play. I want to ask a question, does that mean that the, you know, how every country in Asia has a messy equivalent? Does that mean we haven't produced that we're more likely to produce the Australian, our best player ever in the future than we have in the past. What does these participation rates mean for what you want to see, which is the Australian team being a top 20 nation? Does that mean we've got the best players coming in the future?
1: What do you reckon? I I don't know. This is an issue. I think having more kids play means that you're more likely to get some of the better athletes, I was, mm. maybe, look up, maybe I'm wrong because I suppose there's a smaller number of the better athletes and the more of the, the next level, there's more of the next level athletes and they might be playing football rather than, you know, Aussie rules or rugby. Uh, for me,
2: when I looked at those figures, because obviously in comparison to the other sports, I mean... Well, if you compare uh, it to the Australian rules, or, yep. yeah, Australian rules, it's um, just, just over 200,000.
1: Yeah, people think that these figures are new and suddenly the game's exploded, but for 20 mm. years these figures have been similar uh, football soccer has been at least two times big uh, more has had two times more popularity particip- or p- yeah, participation. participation rates registered players than any other sport team sport in Australia or ball sport in Australia and so my my immediate thing is well where i mean 6000 people turned up to see Melbourne City on the weekend why aren't we feel, what are we doing about getting the 650,000 people who play football and they're registered so they're serious about it and getting to the A-League? Because I, I had a look on the half show today about the average crowds from year one of the A-League, and there are about you know, twelve to thirteen to 14,000, but it hasn't changed much since year one to now. Yeah, I... So why aren't we getting this 650,000 people coming to the A-League games? No, see, Carlos,
4: I've got a slightly different opinion about that. If you take Australian rules football out of the equation in terms of the numbers of people that go to watch the games. Now, Aussie rules is clearly a phenomenon that is not copied or is, will never be copied by any other sport. If you compare the A-League to crowds in the NRL, in the rugby union, they're matching those crowds. The average crowds of an NRL is about nine and a half to 12,000 people per week. The, NR, the ARU, the rugby union, besides test matches... And if you, cat, if you put test matches in, the Socceroos crowds are equal to test matches that you get. If you look at um, the crowds that we're getting for the international games that are being played through the middle of the year. So I think you're a bit harsh in comparing the crowds because we see the AFL,
1: the phenomenon no, in terms no, no, of that. I'm actually not comparing the crowds. What I'm saying is why aren't we having more people at games? I mean, I if wonder... we've got 650,000 people who are registered players, not playing socially, mm. they're registered players. They're serious about what they're doing. They're playing for clubs. Why aren't, they, why aren't we getting a bigger percentage of that group coming to A-League games? Carlos,
3: I, I haven't seen the figures, uh, or, and I wouldn't know whether they were published alongside, say, viewing rates, but I suspect that uh, you know, the fact that you can see A-League football on television more easily now than ever before must also play into that. Well, it's
1: not on free-to-air, except for well, Friday nights uh, yeah, with SBS.
3: But I guess, all right, when, even with Foxtel, I, I've got to ask the question, has Foxtel noticed a spike is it, is it increasing? There, people watching the well, game. They're must saying be the next TV
1: rights are going to double again. Yeah. So obviously there is some value there, but still not free to wear. But here's the here's the challenge.
4: I went to the Melbourne City game with my family on Sunday, and I'm keen Melbourne City, and I'm my family is and my wife is. But in a typical football season, okay, you watch your kids play Sunday morning mm. or. You're involved in that and you travel across the other side of the city and you do the line for your daughter's game and then you hop back in the car and you go home. And then you've got this sense that, okay, well, I've got to pack up and do everything. I've got to go to a five o'clock game, which means I won't get home till eight o'clock. If you don't want to spend $37,000 buying them food, they've got to, you know, there's those logistic things. But, I think the but, I think the A League suffers because it is very much timetabled and fixtured around television, whereas some other sports. Well, AFL is too. No, but there's still the there's still the day afternoon game. There's still the traditional time slot. There's not a traditional time slot, and and I personally find with Melbourne City, their fixture is such a dog's breakfast in terms of when they're playing. Okay, it's you got a Sunday, then you have got a front up Friday. There's no continuity mm. in when they're playing, and I think that's. A real hassle. I look around the crowd at a Melbourne City game, walking to and from. Bearing in mind there were eighty thousand people across the road, I thought it was a fantastic mixture of
1: kids and families. So I actually think it's building. But but six thousand—that's that's really embarrassing right now.
3: It's. Uh, I was talking. It was funny. I was talking. I was at uh, my daughter's training today, and I was talking with one of the one of the dads who had heard you talking about the issue. Uh, earlier today, and he was saying how, and he's not a mm. a, a, f- a soccer football sort of supporter, but he said, you know, when Victory started playing, I used to go to all the games, and uh, you know, and Archie was on fire, and that kept me going for a while. But then I got sick of paying eleven bucks for a beer, mm. and 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 that, right. and, he, and he, he's also a doggy supporter. He Goes, I don't even go and watch the uh, Bulldogs anymore because it, it costs All of yeah. those peripheral yeah. expenses. Are enough to stop you?
2: Mm. I reckon. I, I think the participation rate. I mean, it's the game that is, you know, attracts both sexes too. You know, yep. more, more so than the other more, you know, contact heavy sports, if you like. So, I mean, you boys are talking about your girls playing. I think you know that, that six hundred and fifty thousand people. It'd be interesting to see. You know. Yeah, the, but the, the, that that, that well, actually, I'm not comparing it with any other sport.
1: I'm actually saying, why aren't we getting more of these serious footballers because they're registered players? to our games what what do we need to do to do that I know we've it's improved a lot since mm. the Nsl days because we had again double the participation rate back in the in the 90s in the you know the 1990s and stuff like that so uh, for me I don't know it's getting better yes because we've got good crowds with victory and stuff but we still have the central coast mariners issue the city issue you know Newcastle's up and down depending on what, what's going on there but uh, you know, we we should be you know, at least three-quarter filling most stadiums at this stage. I of think the, of the
3: uh, I, I sometimes wonder whether the fact that uh, so many people are playing is also a, a difficulty because if you've got two two or three kids playing the game on a Saturday or a Sunday, you just mm. can't get to... Yep. That, that's another thing. Getting to a game is an, another thing you've got to do and I think yep. that logistically that can be it difficult for really families.
4: Yep. And I think my sense is... In my area, and I think the western suburbs, particularly where I live in that sort of Point Cook area, victory, the awareness of victory and the number of kids in particular that wear victory tops. I mean, I'm amazed. You go to a a soccer ground and watch kids play, every one of them's got, whether it be a Liverpool or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid and stuff, so... The interest is there, and I think... They're wearing more
2: Melbourne Victory tops than, say, they 10 are? years ago. absolutely. Mm, I I reckon. And I think so,
4: it'll just continue.
2: Anymore because Melbourne Victory kind of just started 10 years ago, Carlos. No, no, <laughs> so actually, no, uh, yeah, good no, point. We're good just going to get it on the...
1: No, good point, but uh, over the years, because uh, I go into a lot, the schools a lot, and... Uh, oh, and, definitely. And, and I think, especially on their sports days... They tend to, they're not wearing the Man new Liverpool, Arsenal tops as much as they're wearing the victory tops. No doubt. And yet the, I don't see many city tops yet, but I can understand why. But victory in particular. And those kids would be going to games. If they're wearing a victory top, they'll be going to games.
2: Absolutely. Come on, Warren. 6,000 is pathetic. No excuses. Front-running, victory, uh, hating, front-running victory-hating front-running victory hating plastic supporters. John in Port Melbourne. Oh, that's a little bit vindictive.
4: No, about. and I tell you... I don't know whether he's been to a Melbourne City game and I I know we want more crowds but 6000 people taking my two girls along being able to sit five rows from the from the front down the other end yep. it was a great viewing experience and it was really enjoyable and I sort of didn't I sort of enjoyed mm. not having the hustle and bustle of big mm. crowds and all that sort of stuff it was a really good atmosphere If you remember
1: guys You know, three weeks before the first game that Victory played at Olympic Park in year one, in version one of the A-League, no one knew how many people were going to turn up. We were just guessing at that time. Some people, I mean, Frank Lowy was worried about whether they're going to get 5,000 or or 15,000. And I think there was a real will by a lot of people. It didn't matter who it was. It could have been Vinnie Venezuela Wednesday playing in Melbourne. And I reckon there would have been this goodwill to get behind this team. And that's what victory has really benefited from over the years. There was this real s- groundswell of people coming together to support this team, and it's just grown and grown. That's what City has missed out on because the City is just another club who will vying against a behemoth in that's a hot
4: victory. Yeah. In, in, sorry, Vinny. So in,
3: I was just going to add, too, I think that one of the. Th- and Archie Thompson's celebrating his 200th game and mm. i think that the one thing victory had was a marquee player who got bums on seats and, and made kids want to go see him and so when you look at when you say more more and more kids yep. are wearing victory shirts the ones that usually wear the shirts have, have for, for a long time had mm. a number 10 on the back of it because of someone like archie and i think that melbourne city have suffered a little bit because they haven't had the continuity of of, of an iconic player yep. for, for several seasons and that plus they haven't won things
1: they haven't won games enough
4: yeah. games and you, uh, we We can't talk with the value with the benefit of hindsight, but I will say this that if there were the financial backers like the like the Citigroup backing a second franchise in Melbourne at the same time as victory started, so if Mm -hmm. if they had the if they had the financial ability to have two franchises in Melbourne as an establishment, Victory may well still be the most powerful club, but I am certain it would be an Everton-Liverpool type relationship in the fact that, yep, you've got a super club that's won things and they're slightly bigger, but Everton get 30,000 to their ground at Goodison Park every week with passionate fans, and that's what it would have been like in Melbourne. It's just that it didn't work that way.
2: Absolutely. A fascinating topic as always. Carlos uh, before we go to the break we've got a couple of uh, dream you know a couple of uh, analysis <laughs> Inter- Peter and Cheltenham or I mean I'm the same age as Carlos in uh, in my dreams I'm still waiting to get a call from Liverpool. That's Peter <laughs> and Cheltenham. I think he likes the fact that he's the same age as you that uh, you know you're still young Peter. Um, explained Carlos's dream to my mother-in-law. Thanks, mate. She's convinced I'm considering playing away. <laughs> Thanks for the chaos that's exploding around me. Can you please, on radio, say, Nina, it was your dream. <laughs> so say it to Nina.
1: Nina, it was Carlos Alberto Diego's dream.
2: So uh, I was
1: the one who didn't have my boots. All right,
2: it wasn't your son-in-law.
1: <laughs> Just quickly, some people are sending some SMSs through that, we're not taking calls. We are taking calls. I'm not sure. There might be an issue with the phones.
2: 9429 yeah. 1116. That is the number. 9429 1116. By the way, Give Rodrigo,
3: while um, Peter and, and Carlos are waiting for calls from respective <laughs> coaches, Cameron Diaz, <laughs> just call me. <laughs> anytime. That's well, my she dream. Will. She will. She would.
2: You're the good-looking Diego, Vinny yeah. Venezuela. Sliding so doors, Vinny. Sliding <laughs> doors. Let's go to a break. And as we go to the break, tonight's show is brought to you by... This lovely music here. Respect. It's all about respect here at the Diego's, and it's all about respect at the community soccer tournament on Sunday. March the 1st, from 2pm to 6.30pm. If uh, you've got a 15-year-old or a 5-year-old, anywhere in between that, make sure they register for the soccer clinic with game development coordinators from Melbourne City Football Club, and that's happening between 1 and 2, and it's happening at Anderson Park, 117 Anderson Creek Road in Doncaster East. Make sure you get there. The Youth Interfaith Soccer Round Robin and Fun Day happening on Sunday. Let's take a break now on the Diego's, and we'll be back with more on 1116 ECN. Sports. This is
1: the Four Diego's.
0: That Melbourne City do win a few games, um, or you're just going to get a victory to grow larger, pretty much, in a nutshell. Because the kids like to follow, you know, winning sides, I guess. And my second thing is, who do you reckon would cause us, as in Melbourne, victory the biggest headache coming towards the finals?
4: Um, I've said this a couple of weeks ago, John, I actually think that Victory are clearly the best team. I, if you're asking me, I think Adelaide yeah. are the team they'll play, but I think Victory finish ahead of them, home ground advantage, they'll knock Adelaide off. But I think Adelaide, for me, are the most competitive.
1: If you let Adelaide play like West Sydney Wanderers did in that mm. game, it was a, I just so enjoyed that game last weekend, uh, and they were terrific. And they should have won by more, Adelaide. So they're the ones, I think, that are going to
2: really trouble victory if they uh, go all the way. Thanks for your call, John, as always. Uh, love love talking to our listeners on uh, the Diego's. Hey, let's uh, go all the way now to the UK and catch up with our man, Mike McGrath from The Sun. G'day, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yes, there's Mike McGrath. You've got uh, Vinny Venezuela, Rodrigo here and Carlos, but Warren wants to fire away.
4: Yeah, Mike, I just want to ask about Man City. Player for player, I don't know whether they're as good as Barcelona, but... I tell you, the gulf between them and Barcelona in this, in this morning's Champions League game was incredible to me. Is it stage fright? Aren't they as good as we think they are? Is it a reflection on the Premier League? Where do you sit with all this?
5: I mean, I, I, was, there, I was there at the Etihad last night. Um, it, was, it was a real pleasure to watch, actually. Uh, and I've got to say, I, I think a, a fair bit of that last night I think it has to be laid at the manager. I think he set the team up wrong um and didn't change it either when things were going really really badly and it it really was at 2-0 it was a thrashing and at 2-1 I think they they must be so happy that they're still in the match. Um yeah, I think he got it I think he got it wrong. He didn't get Aguero in the game enough. He played Jeko instead of uh, Bonnie I, I wouldn't have had Bonnie in myself. I probably would have Gone with five in midfield, and and it kind of played into Barcelona's hands because I think somebody like Sergio Aguero is a match winner for City. A, a player like that, you know, even with a bit of help maybe from Silva and the others, they can they can beat Barcelona no problem. But I don't think they were given the right uh, kind of ammunition really from the manager. That, that that's my opinion. Maybe, maybe they can they can learn from it.
1: Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, Luis Suarez seemed like he uh, really enjoyed uh, last night in that uh, he scored the two goals. Were the crowd giving it to him? Because I know they were booing him in the early stages of the game. Were they giving it to him verbally throughout? And uh, and do you get a sense that he really, really did enjoy being the difference almost between the two sides in a goal-scoring sense?
5: Yeah. It, I, he obviously, he enjoyed his goals. But, I mean it was a really strange evening because the atmosphere of at the Etihad was strange. It was really quiet um, for a Europe, big European game. It was, it was shockingly quiet, uh, but you could hear the boos um, when Suarez got on the ball. Obviously he silenced them. But another, another really interesting thing for me was the fact that Suarez doesn't get the ball off from his teammates. And the, Kind of body language as well is pretty is isn't great between between them. It doesn't seem to be a lot of chemistry between himself, Messi, and uh, Neymar. I think the the finishes were fantastic, but I, I tell you what, he he was copying it a bit from them and the um, and the fans as well.
4: <laughs> now, Mike, um, back to the weekend's games. Um, Jose Mourinho with the soccer pools numbers in the post-match press conference. <laughs> Um, I mean, clearly, in isolation, the decisions were poor, and probably should have led to them at least getting a penalty that would have won them the game. Is this? Uh, where do you see the standard of refereeing in general? Because if we looked at the game, the following night, Southampton could have had penalties. Liverpool probably could have had one too. Where do you see the standard of refereeing in in overall? In the premier league
5: yeah I, I think they're having a bad season um look our, our game's getting you know a hundred miles an hour quicker than it was you know to even 10 years ago and i think it's you know the referees probably need a bit of help because it's not it's kind of catching up with them and, and they have had some really poor poor games this season um so i yeah I, I don't particularly agree with the way uh, Jose Mourinho goes about uh, goes about kind of explaining it, but I do think, yeah, it has. I don't know. I I I quite. I honestly don't know why Howard Webb is retired. He he was our best referee. Went to the World Cup. I don't know why he's uh, sat in a studio in a suit somewhere um, assessing things and and consulting because he's the best in the business, and there doesn't seem a lot
3: coming through underneath him. Mike, uh, Vinny here. Uh, I'm just wondering, we get very excited whenever Sepp comes out and, and uh, puts a proposal up there for all of us. And, and the task force, the Shorter World Cup 2022, you know, curtailed, winter, moving it around. Surely it's been received positively in England as well. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah, we yeah, we can't wait for um, you know, Christmas Eve in in Qatar waiting for a waiting for a, a, a plane home. Um, <laughs> you know, even if we won the World Cup, I think that'd be that it wouldn't be a great Christmas. We
2: well, got nothing to worry um, about there. Yeah. Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, I mean it's a, it's it's been a shambles really. Um Obviously, England. We went for 2000. Well, we actually went for 2018 and 22. Although the focus was on 18, but you know, 22 was part of the bid as well. So it it, it has obviously left a bitter taste in our mouth ever since it wasn't given. Uh, it wasn't given to us, as you guys probably felt as well. Because you know, the 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 word that we got about was that the Australian bid, well, you know, wasn't too shabby either. But obviously, the Qataris um, got in there. So it has left a bit of taste for us and, and and again the shambles continues by shifting it and really really messing with what we've known um you know we've all grown up watching boxing day uh matches that will get disrupted so yeah obviously not too happy about like that and obviously not going to get compensated for it either
1: Mike uh, just on that point there they're talking about uh sort of shortening the the tournament I don't know how you can do that without play. I mean, would they have less... I mean, is there any indication at all about what they mean by that? Is there less
5: teams? Uh, will there be less rest no, period between?
4: 30-minute yeah.
3: halves? <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. Four, four less days. Um, I'm, I mean, they're, they're making quite a big play of this, um, the the four less days, and apparently that is quite a big deal for tournaments. Uh, I know, obviously, there are rest days, in, particularly in the latter stages. But I think it will kind of have that feel of being a bit ad hoc and a bit uh, makeshift the whole thing to kind of squeeze it in mid season for for um you know on many aspects of it. Hey
2: Mike, uh which game are you doing this weekend?
5: I'm going to West Hamby Palace actually. Um it was a bit of a toss up. We've obviously got you know, mouth watering clashes on the uh Oh, on the Sunday, the Carling the Capital One Cup final and Man City Liverpool. So I'll be heading to Upton Park on the Saturday.
1: Say hello to Miller Yelenek for the Diagos. He'll give you <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll, will, he'll, yeah, he'll give you a special one on one interview if you say uh, hi from the Diagos. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: okay, I will do. Good on you, Mike. as always. Thanks for talking to us on uh, our Wednesday night. Talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Boys, that's it for this week's show. Thanks oh, no. for your text messages and your calls. <laughs> hey, make sure you turn up to the Respect Youth Interfaith Soccer Round Robin and Fun Day on March the 1st. That's this Sunday. From 1 till 2, there's a soccer clinic with the game development guys at Melbourne City. And then there's a Round Robin tournament from 2.30. It should be a fantastic day. Uh, hope to see you there. It's Anderson Park in uh, Doncaster East. That's it for this week's show. Don't forget, coming up after the Diego's, it's the Banter Hour wow. with Benny Jones and... A Rod has got a guernsey for that. Good luck to you. That should be a bit of fun. That's it for this week's show. So remember, Carlos. We
1: were Puerto Rican girls hang out. over we'll there? there.
2: Wherever you samba rumba and la bumba. Who we'll we'll there? Wherever
3: there are girls with threads on their head and balls on their feet. We'll we'll be, be there? there. Wherever
2: gringos play football. there? We are the Four Diego. there?